Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Talking Fitball podcast. My name's Derek Clark and each week we try and bring you an in-depth interview with some of the most engaging and interesting characters involved in the game. This week we go transatlantic to speak to former England under-21 and Sheffield Wednesday defender Ian Knight. Ian's story in the game is a fascinating one. He was one of the most promising defenders in British football when he burst onto the scene at Hillsborough until a horrific challenge by Chester City's Gary Bennett more or less curtailed his career. He tells us about that game, the aftermath, how he claimed damages as a result, and how he kept positive to continue his time in the game by coaching, which he still does, over in Canada. We also hear about his time at Barnsley under Norman Hunter and Bobby Collins in dressing room tales from his years at the Elves. So sit back and enjoy the latest episode of the Talking Football podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Talking Fitball podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to say we're joined on the line this week by former Sheffield Wednesday star, the one and only Ian Knight. Ian, thank you very much for, for coming on. My pleasure, Derek. Glad to be here. Uh, before we look back at the, the, the career first, Ian, um, I know everyone's uh, living in this uh, COVID land for, for, for a while now. In terms of yourself, you keep them safe and well? I am Derek. Thank you. Yeah, um, touch wood. Everything's uh, gone well. I'm uh, I'm I'm one jab in, so uh, <laughs> just another couple of weeks before the second one. So uh, all good. Yeah, fantastic stuff. Excellent. Hopefully, the, we're back to normality sooner rather than later. Um, the the career then, Ian. Um, I know you were born back in uh, 1966. Was it Hartlepool you you grew up in? Yes, indeed. Uh, that's that, that. That was my home. Or is my hometown. Uh, uh, Hartlepool on the northeast coast there of England. Uh, I was uh, born and raised, left there when I was uh, just 16 after finishing school uh, when uh, I had the opportunity to join Barnsley as, a, yeah. as an, a, an apprentice. Yeah. And, uh, and that started the, the football journey. Yeah. The, can, you, can you remember kicking a ball around from a young age? Was it always something you, you'd done as a kid? Oh, totally. And, you know, the, and uh, as soon as I could walk, you know, I had the ball at my feet and kicking around and, and growing up with, with kids and, and getting into school, we'd, we'd often be on the street every night and yeah. down at the local park. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a full-time hobby, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was Hartlepool your team in or did you follow somebody else back then? Uh, well, we, we didn't follow Hartlepool so much, if, if I've got to be uh, brutally <laughs> honest. Um, you know, we, n- notorious uh, uh, club for uh, applying for rele- uh, re- reapplying for uh, football league status at that yeah. time. You yeah. know, uh, I think they hold the record the amount of times they had to reapply. Yeah. But uh, no, in the northeast, we we kind of followed. It was you know Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, those kind of bigger clubs, if you, if you will. Yeah. Um, uh, but for me, I, I used to follow Liverpool uh, and still do to this day. That, that was my team um, as, as a young kid. Yeah, what a team they had back then. Was there anybody you, you sort of aspired to be like? Any sort of role models back then? Oh, there was tons. Yeah. I mean, Liverpool specifically, it would be, you know, the the the, the Keegan Toshak era, the yeah. Steve Highways, um, you know, Emlyn Hughes, um, Ray Clemens, you name them, you know, yeah. you, you would follow all of those. But generally, just just anybody playing, even 
you know, the masters like like Colin Bell at Manchester City, there would always, you know, be people that you aspired to to emulate one day. Yeah. Did you ever go over to Anfield to, to, to watch the team? I did. I actually, uh, we, we made a trip. There was a, a supporters group and uh, a school friend of mine invited me along to uh, Liverpool, Aston Villa and got to stand stand in the bottom of the famous cop. Wow. Um Unfortunately, the game wasn't a classic. It ended in nil-nil draw, so it wasn't it wasn't the best game. <laughs> and uh, you always wanted to be a defender, Ian. Is that the position you always played, or did you play anywhere else? To be honest, Derek, I uh, I, I didn't start playing defender as a, as a full time position until I until I went to Sheffield Wednesday at uh, oh. the age of eighteen. Yeah. But before that, through my youth career, uh, early in my youth career, I was I was a striker. Wow! You know, I was the the, the typical big, strong, fast kid up front. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then during my uh, uh, secondary school career, uh, I got moved back into a central midfield position. Uh, I believe one player that we had at the school left, the family moved on to another town and uh, the teacher asked me, the, the coach asked me to drop back into midfield and I kind of played there. And that's where I got scouted actually, yeah. uh, playing for my school team when I got the opportunity to go to Barnsley. Uh, and I did a two-year apprenticeship as a centre midfield player. Yeah. Um, and during that time, occasionally filled in in a, in a centre-back position if there was an injury or, you know, we had somebody red-carded, that kind of thing. So yeah. I did it on a part-time basis. Uh, but it wasn't until the move to, to Sheffield Wednesday that uh, I became a full-time defender. Yeah. See, when you went over to, to Barnsley, uh, did you live over there and all that stuff? Did you stay in digs over there? That's correct. Yeah, moved down there. Uh, was in digs with her family uh, in Barnsley for, for a short period and then became very good friends with, with one of the boys, uh, one of my uh, apprentice colleagues who lived in Wakefield, actually. Yeah. And uh, I used to go spend many weekends with him and his family. Um, and uh, ultimately, they offered me an opportunity to, to move in with them. Yeah. So, you know, I resided in, uh, in Wakefield in West Yorkshire for uh, about a year and a half. Yeah, magic. But you're doing all this sort of apprentice stuff, cleaning boots and the stand and all that when yeah, you're Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Learning the trade, as they say. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, but great grounding, you know, yeah. fantastic. And uh, yes, yeah, still recall some of those memories and stories uh, to this yeah. day with, who, with family and friends. Who was the manager? Was it, was it Norman Hunter when you, when you joined uh, Ian or was it? At that point, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It was it was Norman Hunter, and and it was it was funny that you know one story I always remember <clears throat> with Norman was he actually mentioned to our youth team coach, who was uh, Bobby Collins. Yeah, and uh, so he mentioned to Bobby one day after after training, he went, you know what? I think he'll make a good centre back. This kid, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it never worked out. We never got to do that, but um, yeah. Yeah, Norman Hunter was was the manager that uh, agreed to sign me at Barnsley, and uh, he was there up until the Christmas of of my first season. Um, unfortunately, he lost his job, yeah. and then Bobby Collins took over as manager of yeah. the club. Um, uh, so yeah, as, as a young kid, I mean, it must have been awe inspiring getting to coach by these guys. Because I mean, Leeds legends, aren't they? And Norman Hunter, oh. of course, played for England. Bobby Collins for Scotland, and what have you. Phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And I mean, you know, the, the opportunity for me came um, in about the April of my last year at, at school. 
Um, and so from being identified to attending for a tryout to, to being in the building on a full-time basis happened in the space of about four or five months. Yeah. And, and so it was just a real, you know, a real shock to the system, but all inspiring all at the same time, you know, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you would move uh, shortly after to Sheffield Wednesday. What was it? Um, of course, they were higher up in the, the football pyramid. Uh, Ian, what was the thinking behind that? Did they send scouts to go and have a, a look at you and, and, and offered you a deal or what have or what went on there? Well, unfortunately, um, I got released from Barnsley after oh. my two-year apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, they assessed that you know I hadn't made sufficient progress, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and so they released me, and. So your name gets circulated around all of the clubs. Yeah. And um, I got a call from, from Mick Hennigan, the youth team coach at Sheffield Wednesday, who had uh, obviously seen me play the, the season before when, when we, we played against uh, each other. And he, he reached out and he said he would love to bring me in. Um, and, but at that point, understanding that I'd be coming in to train as a defender. Yeah. Um, and so he offered me a, a month uh, trial, uh, and we arranged for that in the uh, the August of, of eighty. I guess it would be eighty five. Yeah. And uh, went for a month and ended up staying for five years. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was uh, great. Yeah, absolutely. See, see when you you were released by Barnsley, you hear we've had a lot of players on before that get released by clubs and. And I think to the, the think to yourself, what do I do now, and all that sort of stuff, and their careers in limbo. What, what can you remember? What your reaction was at, at that point? Uh, my reaction was to go on holiday. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Um, yeah, we we kind of made plans. Uh, some friends and I made some plans, and we we uh, we had two weeks in Benidorm, and it was just totally forget about football and and just yeah. you know have a great time. Yeah. And then it was when I came back home. Uh, my mum had said, oh, you know, you'd had a, a few phone calls, a few few clubs had reached out. And uh, there were several local non-league clubs and amateur amateur clubs around the northeast that reached out. And Sheffield Wednesday. And I thought, well, that's going to be my first call. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and hence, yeah, I, I, I made the call and connected with uh, with Mike Hennigan there. And uh, yeah, yeah, we, we moved on. Yeah, and of course... Uh... Top, top club at, at that point. I've sadly relegated uh, this season. But at that point, did you notice a step up, Ian, when you, when you went there in terms of the calibre of player and the training and stuff like that? Oh, I, I mean, to be honest, Derek, and, and you know, I don't mean to uh, decry anything that, that happened at, um, at Barnsley. Yeah. Um, but it was just, you know, unbelievable. that The minute I walked into the, to the stadium at Hillsborough yeah. uh, on my first day there, it was there was just an aura about the place that was totally yeah. different to, to Barnsley, and it was like, wow, okay, the, the, this is professional, or you know. Yeah. Um, so it was nerve wracking. It was a little bit uh, a little bit nerve wracking. I've got to admit, but uh, yeah, fan, fantastic experience for sure. Yeah. Can you remember making your your debut there? I do. Yeah, I do. It was um, the nineteenth of April. 1986, and uh, this, it was the first time I'd been included in the first team uh, uh, that, that day. I'd been training with the reserves, and we'd had you know training games and that kind of thing, but I'd never made a match day 
uh, squad. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the Friday after training, you know, the manager or the assistant manager used to come in and, and, and pin the roster up onto, yeah. onto, the, onto the notice board there. And uh, this particular weekend, my name appeared. And uh, there was still a fitness test. A couple of the guys had a fitness test on the Saturday morning, uh, but they both failed. And, uh, you know, while we were having lunch at the hotel pre-match, uh, the manager called me in. For a, away from the table for a quick chat and uh, informed me that I would be starting that day. Wow. And do you remember much about, about the game itself and, and how you got on? Did, were you, were you, the adrenaline take you through it and were you able to, to sort of take all in? Oh, it, you know, the, the, the minute the manager said I would be starting, yeah. the world just became a blur. You know, <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, uh, it was quite surreal. Um, but no, I mean, in terms of the game itself, um, didn't start the best. I remember there was a, a ball that was skied really high and, and I was caught in two minds whether I should go get it and, and hit it or let it bounce and then deal with it after. And I got caught in the middle and of course it bounced and went over my head and I had to turn and give chase to get back. And it was like, oh, <laughs> a terrible decision, you know, and I could just hear the moans and the groans. But uh, no, the, the game, the game uh, certainly turned around for me. I, I, I played pretty well, I must admit. And uh we came away with came away with a two nothing win, so yeah. it was pretty successful. Yeah. How, how much did you enjoy Hillsborough Ian, and, and playing there? I mean, it's what what a fantastic football ground that is. Oh, it's yeah. I mean, you know, you hear people talk about their favourite grounds and the, the best place to play, and certainly back in the day, Hillsborough was up there amongst the you know the very best stadiums in the country. Yeah. Uh, to to play in, um, it was fantastic. Yeah. Great atmosphere, great playing surface for the most part. To be fair, yeah, um, you know, it, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, but the manager Howard Wilkinson. I mean, uh, what a manager he was! Um, great tactician, of course. A very skilled mastery of the people that have been managed by him. Uh, I've spoken to in the past. How did you find him? I mean, as 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 a manager, um, I I describe Howard as as fair. You know, yeah. he. As you say, very knowledgeable. Um, you know, did a lot of work with the FA, and and uh, it was very highly thought of, uh, and still is to this day for for what he brought, not only to you know the Sheffield Wednesday Football Club, but but to England and and across the country. Yeah. Um, but you know, he had a reputation of being hard, and, yeah. and and training was hard, and there's no getting away from that. Physically demanding, uh, but you know, if if you had the correct attitude and applied yourself. Um, you know, he, he was on your side, you know, you, you knew where he was, you knew what the expectations were and uh, he, he was fair to everyone. Yeah, but you mentioned training there. Um, I want to say, I've read, I read Mel Sterling's book a while ago and some of the antics that went on at training is just, I don't think it would go on in, in, in the modern day. How, how, did you, how did you find it in the, the sort of the dressing room uh, goings on? Were you the victim sometimes at, at uh, some of the antics that went on there? Um, to be fair, I don't know whether just being a, uh, a young buck in, in the group, you know, I didn't get picked on too much. It was, <laughs> uh, it was pretty good, but a, a terrific environment, you know, yeah. and Mel was probably at the, at the core of most things that went on. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, it was, it was a terrific group of players, you know, I mean, in terms of the, their attitude and the professionalism and the way they went about the business, uh, top class, top yeah. class. 
Yeah, but a number of great defenders there at the time. Uh, Paul Hart, Nigel, Nigel Worthington, and all that. Did you did you learn for these guys, Ian? Oh, you you couldn't fail. Yeah, you know, um, you know, Nigel Worthington on one side of you, Mel Sterling on the other, playing alongside Paul Hart. Yeah, you know, Laurie Madden, uh, stalwarts of the game. You know, um, yeah. it it was just you know every day was like going to school. You know, you you always learnt something. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that season, that, that first season you were there, I mean, the club finished fifth in the old, uh, what is now, of course, the Premier League, riding high. It's, 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 it's sad to see them where they are now, isn't it? It's, it's crazy. You think of Sheffield Wednesday as a, as a Premier League club, but it's not been there and, and, and up in that sort of higher echelon to the, the football pyramid for a while, haven't they? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very sad, Derek, in, in all honesty. Um, you know, how the, how the club's declined in, in the recent recent times um yeah it's it, it's tough to see to be honest yeah you know? um and i know you know looking around social media and and seeing some of the comments from from some of the old old players as well you know some of my colleagues it, it's tough it's tough yeah. to see and uh, we just wish them all the best and and hopefully they can turn it around yeah but did you ever uh, did you ever play in the, the sheffield derby there there when you when you were there sam ian uh, there was, I think there was a couple. I, I think there was uh, a testimonial game as well that, that we played in. Yeah, um, yeah they, they were always quite interesting times. <laughs> uh, but, but I've got to say, you know, despite, you know, obviously the rivalry and everything, yeah. the players at the time, we, we got along great. You know, there was yeah. a lot of respect between the respective uh, players groups. And yeah. uh, it, it was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Lee Chapman was there up front as well. What a player he was! Um, uh, of course, he yeah, Lee. yeah. Chappie was uh, was the main man. You know, yeah. he was the the headliner at the time. You might say he was the guy that got the goals, put his head on anything. Um, you know, did did very very well. Did very yeah. Well. Of course, you were you were um, going along nicely until, of course, that fateful game in uh, in February eighty seven. Uh, can you can you remember much about that game and and of course it's pretty much curtailed your career which was an absolute tragedy but what's your memories of back then yeah just i mean there wasn't much of the game for me to remember because i think the injury happened in the first five yeah. or six minutes um you know i just remember the game kicked off at it might have been a 7:30 kickoff and i was back late in the physio's treatment room by uh what to eight you know it was like it was it was amazing but uh yeah i mean it was it was uh obviously devastating for for myself um but you know life led me down a different path i guess yeah do you know at the time it was a bad i mean i've seen it. it's absolutely horrendous uh challenge and how the referee played on at that point is just beyond belief but yeah um it's no, I, you know, when I, when I hit the ground and I rolled over, my first, you know, instinctive reaction was to, to grab my leg. Yeah. And all I can um, relate it to is, is having a bag of, you know, wet liver in your hand. Oof. It wasn't yeah. solid. There wasn't anything. It just, it just seemed as though my leg just kind of went between my fingers. You know, it was really yeah. soft. And, and I thought, oh, you know. But yeah, it, my body just went into complete shock right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, 
not the best feeling I've had in the world, that's for sure. No, no, no absolutely not. In, in terms of the, the recovery, um, I guess what, what happened, did you have to go to a, get it diagnosed and all that sort of thing with the doctor and tell you how long, if you could play again? What, can you remember? Yeah, I mean, I remember like, being laid, you know, I, I got to hospital, um, I was immediately x-rayed. And I remember waiting. I was I was laid waiting in the in the in the waiting room there, waiting for the surgeon. Um, and he he came along. He looked at the looked at the X-ray. He looked down over his his half moon glasses. He peered over and looked yeah. at me. And he said, "I'll see you shortly," you know. And away he went to get prepared. So, yeah, I was in for for an operation that night. Um, and I, I was in hospital for. Um, 10 days uh, following yeah. the operation. But I was only home for uh, about three or four days and then had to go back in for, you know, a re-X-ray and, and, and have a look at how things were progressing. Um, and, and the bones had shifted because obviously I became vertical yeah. at that point when coming home and on crutches. And, and uh, the, the bones had shifted. So they had me back in for, for a second procedure. Yeah. Um, and that was just a that was just a day um, a day operation. So I was in and out. Uh, but what they did do, they put a metal rod through my heel, yeah, to put me on traction to realign the bones, yeah, and then uh, recast it after that point. And so I came home, and I didn't know this was this was going to go on, and this was part of what was happening. But I just remember as I come around and, and getting home and looking down at the at the cast and noticing how this this bulge appeared on both sides of my ankle. And I wondered why the cast had, had been formed that way. And in talking to uh, the physio, Alan Smith, he kind of just, he played it down. He said, oh, it's just something that's happened to the cast, you know, and <laughs> didn't really go into detail over it. So it wasn't until a few few days later that I actually got the full story and they told me what had happened. And I got this metal metal rod through yeah. through my heel that was going to be in for three months. And and what happened after the three months? They said, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna take the rod out." And I always remember. I mean, <laughs> you talk about banter and yeah. the atmosphere <laughs> that we had. But again, Alan, you know, and Alan was was absolutely fantastic. The physiotherapist. He would he would come and pick me up from home every day of the week. Yeah. take me down to the club so I could do my daily workouts and then bring me home again. Yeah. Uh, just, just a tremendous fella. But we're on the way to the, to the hospital to have this uh, metal pin removed. And I'm, and I'm quizzing him all the time. What's going to happen? Are they going to put me to sleep? Are they going to, what the, you know, how's, how's it going to happen? Oh, no, they'll, they'll cut the cast off and they'll probably give you an injection to, to numb it or they may even put you to sleep. So I, I felt comfortable with that. But in fact, what happened was they cut the cast away, so they revealed this pin. They cleaned the pin at both ends. And the, sir, the doctor basically got a, a pair of pliers, and he just pulled the rod right through my foot. So wow. I, I, just, I sat there, and I, I was like, eyes wide open. And I was like, is that just really happened? And, he just, wow. and the look on Alan Smith's face was a picture because <laughs> he knew he'd had me on all the time, you know. And I just, you know, this weird sensation of this pin being yeah. gone through your foot, you know. Um, and then they just, you know, plugged, plugged the holes up and sent me on my way again. 
Wow, that's crazy. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, in but, terms uh, of I ended up actually, uh, Derek. Sorry there, but yeah, yeah, I ended yeah. Up, um, it was a full uh, seven months in a cast that I went through, so it was nearly a full year. Yeah. I had six months with a full leg cast up to my groin, yeah. and then for the last month it was cut down. Uh, I had one to the knee. Um, so yeah, it, it was seven seven months. Um, which, you know, had major complications in terms of uh, mobility and flexibility with my ankles and with, with the joints, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, physically, that is a, a nightmare. Mentally, Ian, was it, was it tough to, to deal with um, as well? Yeah, obviously, there were some, some dark times, for sure. Yeah. Um, no getting away from that. Uh, but again, you know, I've got to go back to, to Alan Smith, the physio, who, you know, almost became like a second dad to me for that period of time where I was injured, you know, as, as I said earlier, Alan would, would come out of his way to come and pick me up, you know, take me down to the club, make sure I, I was staying involved as much as I could, you know, yeah. through that period of time. Um, and when it got to the stage where my cast was fully removed and I was starting to, to walk again and get a little bit of strength, uh, the club actually sent me away for a couple of weeks vacation to uh, Tenerife. Yeah. Uh, again, just to try and, you know, buoy me up, give me a bit of sunshine and a bit yeah. of relaxation. And so, so the club was, were first class with me, first class. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah I was going, I was going to say that. And that's, that's, that's brilliant to see. Was, was the PFA, uh, did, did they help you at all in any way with regards to that, Ian? Uh, no, I didn't have any help with the PFA. Yeah. yeah. Not that I recall. No. Yeah. And, um, of course, coming back as well. Can you remember getting back on the field? Did you feel? Did you feel that like like you did before the pre-injury, or did you know that that you, was it just a struggle to get back to those sort of levels? Yeah, you you, you kind of knew in your own mind as much as you were, you know, wanting to get back to the pre-injury levels. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 I came fairly close. I, I got to admit, I came fairly close. Um, and I actually got back to, you know, it was literally a full two years after the injury that I did get back and I made selection back into the first team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just not the same. I mean, I always remember the first game I did come back was, was in the reserves playing at Hillsborough and, you know, normally we'd get a couple of hundred people maybe, you know, coming to watch the, 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 uh, reserve games. But this night there was over a thousand people there. Yeah. Uh, so terrific support from from the from the fans and the interest that they had. Um, you know, I got back a couple of months later and, and got back into the first team. Um, but yeah, it just it wasn't it wasn't the same. I wasn't the same player for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and the the daily grind of of the training, you know, would certainly take its toll. Yeah. And I know later down the line you'd. Um... You get a bit of compensation for it as well. I guess the fact it was on on television in, in a way did that sort of help your case as well in terms of getting getting a bit of a payout from that. Well, I mean, yeah, it was it was uh, the the game was was being shown that evening on uh, match of the day. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, it got some national coverage for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was ultimately when you know, after I'd moved to Grimsby. Um, 
and had a couple of, of seasons there, again, full of frustration with various injuries. Yeah. Uh, didn't play an awful lot. So it was a, as it was a last resort. I mean, everything fell back to that that incident, that injury. Um, and yeah, was was fortunate enough to be successful and, and, and gain some compensation that route. Yeah, absolutely. Did, um, did Gary Bennett at any point sort of apologise for it or anything like that? Or see he was sort of rationing out of, um, out of order? On the, on, the, on the closing of the court case, uh, I yeah. got an apology. Yeah. yeah. It's just a sad state of affairs. You mentioned that you, you went to Grimsby. Uh, it, was, it was a bit frustrating, like you said, for you. In terms of the club, um, we've had um, a couple of players on that played for the club and said a right community sort of club, good real team spirit there. Did you sense that when you went went over there? Oh, totally, absolutely. Um, it was, um, you know, very homely, very friendly. Yeah. Uh, again, terrific environment within the club with the players and the staff, uh, the management. You know, with with Alan Buckley, um, great great environment, uh, very friendly, and uh, one one you know, you had a smile on your face every day. Yeah. It was terrific. Yeah, the old Flindell uh, Park as well. It's one of those old-fashioned uh, uh, football grounds. I was there actually covering a game that this season. It's, I don't think it's changed since you were playing. I think, uh, Ian. I think oh, it's uh, probably hasn't those... changed a lot, Derek. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, plenty of uh, cold Tuesday nights with the, the wind and the rain. You know, coming yeah. in off the Humber Estuary, there it was, uh, was was terrific. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to touch on this. Well, I know it's a, a couple of shots in the background. I know you represented uh, England under twenty ones. I don't know if that's from your time doing that. Can you? What, what's your memories of that? It must have been a proud moment for you. Oh, uh, again, yeah. So the jerseys behind me, actually, um, the, the the England jersey is actually yeah. a signed Glen Hoddle uh, jersey. Yeah. Um, I, I would have been part of a trip going to Spain um, a couple of weeks after my injury. Uh-huh. Um, and our physio, Alan Smith, was the England under-21 physio. So he was on the on the trip uh, to Spain that time, and uh, he asked Glenn for his jersey, and he got the squad and the, the U-21s, the manager and everybody, to sign it. So yeah. he came on with, with that uh, gift for myself after that trip. And uh, and the blue jersey in behind is a, a Yugoslavian under-21 jersey. Yeah. That, uh, I did a, a, an exchange with, with a player. When I, when I played uh, for the under twenty ones at Peterborough, when we uh, we hosted Yugoslavia yeah. in uh, in eighty six, so a couple of memories there, uh, terrific. And then I've got a couple of other jerseys on on the other side that uh, that I wore actually in the games that I played in. So yeah, very you know excellent memories, uh, very proud memories, obviously. Uh, but again, you know, it, it happened in such a whirlwind. I'd only been in the in the first team for a few months at the back end of one season and, and the start of the 86, 87 season. Um, and again, the manager called me into his office to, to let me know that I'd been selected, you know, for the, uh, for the, for a, an away game, actually, uh, the first game was away in Sweden and uh, that, that my, you know, I'd, I'd made selection and I just, I just got, I went cold. I got goosebumps. <laughs> Everything became hazy. And I'm like, are you kidding? Like, are you kidding me? And uh, yeah, just just unbelievable how it all kind of happened so rapidly for me. You yeah. know, it's uh, just surreal. Unbelievable. Yeah. 
I mean, it's crazy to think you were released by Barnsley and then you're representing England uh, not so long after. It's, it's, it's bonkers it's, football, isn't it? it? It was approximately about 14 months from being yeah. released to, to to putting on your, your national team jersey. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's something that I fall back on and, and I can, you know, tell the kids that I'm coaching today, you know, you never yeah. give up. You just never know, yeah. you know. Um, so... Yeah, very proud for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, fast forward, and then you had a wee spell at like Grimsby, and then you yeah, was it Carlisle you went to before uh, going to Boston for for a bit? Um, uh, yeah, I mean that place. was you know that you know really just trying to to stay involved as, yeah. as much as I could from a playing perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, I went I went to Carlisle for a month or so, uh, ended up at Boston for a few months or a season or so there. Uh, but again, it was just it was just too much for the for the body physically. They just I just couldn't take it. Yeah, were you already thinking at that stage in about uh, coaching, or were you thinking that uh, were you worried again? Oh, I need to do something completely different here. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of you know I, I must admit when when I finally uh, took the decision to to stop playing, it was it was probably a year and a half before I really oh. found what, you know, I was going to do next essentially. Yeah. Um, and it was, you know, an ex teammate at, at Grimsby, John Cockrell, who was running the community scheme um, at, at Grimsby, um, offered me the opportunity to get involved with some, um, some soccer camps yeah. in the summertime. And uh yeah, went out and helped John with that and, and really enjoyed it. Had a great time. And, uh, you know, John got the opportunity not long after to move into the, the full-time uh, youth team position with Grimsby Town. Yeah. And the community scheme job became available and I was very fortunate to be offered that role. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I guess it, it takes a, a strong personality, I guess. Ian. Was, it, was it tough to transition from that promising player to... Calling time in your playing career and going down that 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 different path, or you sort of um, no, that's that's the way you had to go. I, I think I'd come to terms with it, Derek. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, again, you know, many many thanks to everybody at, at Grimsby Town um, because I'd obviously had a history there as a, as a player and, and knew yeah. many of the the folks there. Um, it was not a hard transition for me to to move on to the you know, the coaching side and the administration side. Um, very welcoming again. So it, it was, it was, it was a good move for me, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And did you have a spell, did you have a spell in, um, uh, when is it you moved to, moved to Canada then? Um, how did all that come about? So it was actually through a process. Um, so I kind of took the, the community scheme job at, at Grimsby, did that for a couple of years. Um, I actually went back to Sheffield Wednesday to do the same job as a yeah. community officer at Sheffield Wednesday just for one season. And as we know, I have things change in football. Um, the guy who I'd followed at uh, Grimsby, John, uh, John Cockrell, he, he got promoted up to assistant manager yeah. and was working with the first team. And so the, the youth team coach's job became available at Grimsby. And because I'd been involved with the School of Excellence and through their academy, um, I felt I had a decent understanding of the operation. 
Uh, and so, you know, was fortunate enough to be offered the position of, of youth team coach. And I went back to Grimsby to take up that position and was there for seven years uh, doing, that, doing that role. And during that time, um, I'd made a connection with a couple of folks out in Canada. And uh, in, in uh, 2002, when, when Grimsby didn't renew my, my contract, um, the folks out in, in Ontario uh, offered me the opportunity to start a club out there. Yeah, wow. um, and, and that's that's what brought me to Canada. Um, so I, I moved out to Canada in 2003, um, and in all honesty, the 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 job didn't work out as well as what we'd hoped for. Yeah. Um, but one of my other connections I'd made in, in my time at, at uh, Grimsby was over in British Columbia, the other the other side of Canada, and uh, there was a, a, a club looking for, for a new head coach. Um, and I, you know, reached out to my, my friends over on the West coast and, uh, they put in a good word for me and, uh, I moved across to the West coast, <clears throat> excuse me, in, uh, in, in the spring, the kind of the April of 2005. Yeah. Uh, and I've been here ever since. Yeah. Well, and uh, how do you find it uh, over? Well, you must love it because you've been over for so long, Ian, but in terms of like the, the enthusiasm for football and all that over there, and um, how does it sort of differ to the back home? Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the grassroots, the recreation uh, level uh, in Canada is is just absolutely huge. Yeah, you know, phenomenal. Um, I mean, I believe um, at one point, I don't know whether it still is today, but uh, there was close to a million uh, people or players registered to play soccer across Canada, yeah. you know, youth, youth and adults. And it's just huge. Um, what, what the country has lacked up until uh, just recently is, is, is a national league. You know, yeah. there's no national professional league. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, that's been corrected a couple of years ago with, with the Canadian professional league being established. Yeah. Um, and I'm hearing talks of, you know, other, um, levels being introduced underneath of that so they can you know um get, get a proper pyramid uh yeah. built at the, the different levels across the country and again you know given given the size of the country it's, it's a huge undertaking yeah you know to try and arrange a, a national league when you're in a country this size that has three or four different time zones yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know um and and obviously the the, the difference in the seasons as well, you know, yeah. uh, the East Coast having, you know, you know, deep winters, you know, long, <laughs> long winters and, and everything having to move inside. Whereas on the, on the West Coast, we're a little bit blessed, you know, we don't get the, the severe winter yeah. um, and we can generally play outside all year round. Yeah. So it's a little bit closer to, to home yeah. in, in, in that respect. Um, so it's just a, just a massive undertaking to arrange for these, for this league, you know, and the structure. Um, but, you know, Canada soccer are, are working hard to, to correct that and, and put some things in place. Uh, and, you know, being at the, at the ground level, if you will, with the grassroots, I'm just happy to be part of it and, and see that, you know, see that come about and, and uh, want to support that growth for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned, it's funny you mentioned the travel sort of stuff. We've had guys that played in the MLS on before and they said, 
you go a four-hour trip in the UK, and that, that's a, that's a long away day. But over there, that's like your closest rivals. It's it's crazy, isn't it? Oh, the the distances and the geography is just mind blowing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, certainly is. And you're at Abbotsford now. Is that is, is that right? Uh, coaching there. That's right. Yeah, the Abbotsford Soccer Association. Um, so in my move across to the west coast, I actually coached uh, at, a, at a place called Chilliwack. Um, where I actually still live. And Abbotsford is, uh, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour uh, down the highway. So uh, uh, I moved there. I I took the position with that club in 2010. Um, And, you know, I've I've been there ever since. And and the club were very gracious just to renew my contract for another five years. Great stuff, yeah. Um, So, yeah, very, very happy, very settled and uh, uh, certainly making some, uh, some good strides in recent times. Yeah, and working alongside no Colin Miller we had on a, a couple of weeks ago, a great character. What, what, what's he like to work with you? Yeah, well, <clears throat> and, and as you know from from uh, from his interview the other week, there he's he's a great character, but yeah. but you know, a very knowledgeable guy. Yeah. You know, um, knows knows uh, the game inside out. You know, especially in, in Canada, knows the the requirements um, of of what's what's needed because he, he played for the national team many, many times, even captain the national team yeah. and, and went on to, to coach the national team on an interim basis. Yeah. Um, I believe, I believe Colin told me 10 times he, uh, or 10 games, you know, he, he coached the national team. Yeah. So very well-respected man uh, in the country and uh, delighted to be working alongside of him. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, like you said, you're settled over there. You're quite happy over there. Do you have any? Do you think you'll ever be coaching back in the back in the UK again? Well, you never say never. In yeah. This game. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but as time ticks on, Derek, you know, I'm kind of mid thirties now. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> um, um, but no, the 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 family's really settled. Uh, yeah. I've got a young son. You know, he's, he's just turned fifteen now who's heavily involved with, with the game as well. Um, so, yeah, family's very happy. And, uh, yeah. yeah, just uh, just hopefully we can get out of this COVID situation and get back yeah. to playing some uh, proper games. Absolutely. absolutely. Finally, I was going to ask you, uh, I think uh, Colin mentioned this earlier as well, I mean, the World Cup coming uh, to the country and in, in, in in it's five years' time now. Um, can you can you sense a, a bit of excitement there? I know they've not played in a, a major tournament since uh, '86, well, the World Cup since '86. Uh, but um, what's 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 the feeling in, in Canada at the moment? Is 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 it, is it a bit too far away to get start getting excited about that? Yeah, I, I think it's it's still quite muted, Derek. In yeah. all honesty, um, yeah. you know, but it's something that you know the soccer community is is looking forward to for sure. There's no question about that. Um, and I think, you know, as, as we get closer and hopefully new announcements come around about the national structure yeah. um, and, and the game being built at the professional level and the opportunity to, or the opportunity to create more opportunities for more players, yeah. um, you know, to play the game that we all love. I'm, I'm sure it will build and build. And uh, by the time 2026 comes around, uh, I'm sure we'll be bouncing and, and ready for it. Absolutely, can look forward to it. Well, it's been great having you on, Ian. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, so thank you for coming on the podcast. Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much.
was episode 106 of the Talking Football podcast with Ian Knight. I hope you enjoyed it as ever. If you want to listen to any previous episodes, you can catch them all on pretty much all podcast platforms. We're also now on YouTube if you just search for Talking Football. Be also sure to check out and subscribe to the website, talkingfitball.co.uk. You'll find a whole lot of great content. We're on Facebook and Twitter. You can follow us at Talking underscore Football. And if you want to sponsor the podcast, can do just that just visit the get involved page on the website hope you can join me again next week but until then keep safe bye for now